When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, beautiful people. Uh, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. Thank you so much for listening in. We definitely appreciate the feedback that we've gotten. And please keep sending emails. Let us know the topics that you're interested in. Send us some questions. We'd be happy to answer them. So hopefully you're learning a little something here and there. Yeah, and feel free. Anything you guys want us to talk about, we're here to, to you know give you as much of our expert knowledge and opinion uh, on the topics that you're interested in. So today is uh, the episode is really a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Obviously, you know, noses and rhinoplasty and, and the idea that not all noses are the same. And so today we're going to talk about ethnic rhinoplasty and that usually refers, and these are the, our textbook, uh, you know, what we'll do is we'll go over the textbook ideas behind the ethnic rhinoplasty, which is usually black, Asian, and Hispanic noses. Now, I know that these are sometimes general overgeneralizations, but the idea is there are certain characteristics that, oh, you know, we have several studies where you take thousands of patients and you stratify them. You look at some of the data, you know, from the bridge of the nose to the width of the tip to the, the thickness of the nasal tip skin to how low the bridge is, how high the bridge is, all things like this, because it definitely changes the approach to the surgeon for rhinoplasty. And, uh, you know, the good thing is, uh, you know, we do a lot of them here. Um, the whole idea is that we want to deliver what the patient is looking for. So we're not trying to create a Caucasian nose. Uh, we're not trying to create the same nose every single time, but there are some characteristics that can be aesthetically pleasing. So, you know, I thought what maybe I would do first is kind of talk about the anatomy in each one of these groups. And again, this isn't everyone, but it is, uh, you know, again, based off of uh, studies that have uh, thousands of patients and we look at certain characteristics. And so a plastic surgeon needs to know how to deal with this differently than, let's say, a Caucasian German nose where, you know, it might be a, a large reductive case. Whereas many of these cases, sometimes we're adding, we're building. Um, and so I always found it extremely interesting. So, um, you know. And it's interesting because when you get patients like this that come in to see you, they always bring in these inspiration pictures. Mm -hmm. And those inspiration pictures really kind of fall in line with, you know, these the textbook chapters that sit and talk about the ethnic nose and the characteristics of it and how they want it changed mm. to more of that very um, so-called Caucasian nose. Um, and, and, and sometimes it really changes the appearance of a person. So it's something that, that when, they, when they come into doing a rhinoplasty, they really should think about how, how much of a dramatic change they want, right? I mean, yes. It's, it's, 
And that's where I think the vector imaging or 3D imaging is so important because they can visualize what can and can't be done. And it gives you, you know, really an idea of what to expect. So listen, uh, overall, when we talk about the anatomy, the reason why it's different is because we have to be prepared. The main thing for a plastic surgeon is the lack of septal cartilage. And so the idea is, again, we are not, you know, in many cases, we're not, uh, it's not a reductive rhinoplasty where we're making the nose smaller, but we actually are building up. So many key characteristics, um, the area between the eyes called the radix tends to be f- uh, lower or flatter. Nasal bones can be wider. The nasal tip can be wider and the alar base can be wider with a very underprojected tip. So imagine when we want to reverse some of these things, we want to build up the bridge. We want to uh, lengthen the tip and narrow it. And we want to uh, narrow the base of the nose as well. In addition, uh, you know, it's called Hispanic or Mestizo or, uh, uh, you know, sometimes the black nose has, it can have very thick nasal tip skin. And the idea is sometimes we can, from the underside, thin uh, a, a layer of fat. And so not necessarily all the time. So we have to prepare our patients. Uh, and, and, and listen, you can either say you, you're going to be a lot more swollen for a, a prolonged period of time, or sometimes you can force cartilage support to create more definition. And so it just depends on the nose. So you know, I'll bring you through a scenario that we had, uh, you know, that I've, I've taken care of. So this was a 45-year-old black female came in and had some of the characteristics that we talked about. And she preferred a more uh, refined uh, tip, uh, you know, that had more projection. She wanted the bridge to be higher. And so right off the bat, I know that I have to prepare the patient that they need excess cartilage from somewhere. The last thing you want to do is be unprepared and you go into a case, you have to remove a portion of the septal cartilage for grafting purposes and find out that you don't have enough. It could be more ethmoid bone, you know, it's very difficult to use um, and you just don't have enough. So I usually prepare some of these patients and, you know, in this particular uh, patient, you know, it sounds like a lot, but the idea is it's all for the benefit of something that's on the central aspect of your face. So for this particular patient, we build up the bridge and there have been, you know, several different types of grafts from a, a large, uh, you know, one piece of cartilage that goes on. We call it a dorsal onlay graft. Um, but, you know, in, uh, I've found over the years that sometimes that warps. So I love, and this was, uh, you know, really talked about by Jay Calvert and some of the uh, other uh, surgeons in the area. This is a diced cartilage fascial graft. So you make a little incision that's, uh, you know, on the temple region of the scalp, so you never see it. We don't shave the hair or anything like that. And you take a very thin but durable connective tissue called fascia. And that becomes the burrito, or we call it the Turkish delight. Uh, And then you use either cadaver cartilage or rib cartilage and or ear cartilage or something else and you dice it up very finely and you place it in imagine that's the uh the little steak pieces in a a burrito and you wrap it around and that becomes the new dorsum the top the bridge of the nose and 
you know, after about two weeks, it hardens. And once you palpate or touch afterwards, it feels like bone. So you can really create those dorsal aesthetic lines. You can raise the bridge. I can make it as long as I want or as short as I want just to fill in either the radix or uh, to recreate the entire dorsum of the nose. The next thing that needs to be done is obviously to create more projection. Uh, We need to add a cartilage graft known as a septal extension graft. Now, we're essentially lengthening the nose and, you know, what what rotation you want is basically whether it's male or female. I mean, a male is closer to 95 to 98 degrees, whereas a female is 98 to 102. And um, the, the goal is really to add that projection. So now we're just using math, right? So if we've got a wider base and we have wider tip, if you add projection, imagine when you lay flat that wide base and tip is almost like a very wide triangle. But if I put a tent pole right in the middle of it, what happens? It raises, you know, adding more projection, but it narrows the nose ever so slightly. Um, There's also little procedures called lateral curl steel and things like that where you can essentially make the nose appear narrower. But usually we need to do something else. So obviously, you know, for the tip cartilage that's very bowed and widened and flat, uh, you know, we do, whether it's preservation with a turn under flap or it's excision where we do something called a cephalic trim, you narrow the cartilages in the tip, you add that tent pole, which is the septal extension graft, and now you have a narrow refined tip. The last thing that you may do is reduce the size of the ailer base, so the width of the nose. So through hidden incisions in what we call the nasal sill, so that's uh, when you point to the very bottom of the nose on the sides, we make little hidden incisions and that we remove some of the tissue and when you sew it together, it narrows the entire base of the nose. So when, you know, again, if I look at common concerns uh, between African-American, Asian, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, we look at thick skin right off the bat. Sometimes Hispanics, uh, you know, can have thinner skin. And and again, this varies. We're going off of majorities from these studies. Um, We look at something, you know, very boxy, widened tips. Um, And then we look at a wide bridge. We look at uh, the type of procedure that needs to be done. So again, I think um, for the the, the only one of those that's a little different, obviously, is the Middle Eastern nose. Sometimes it starts off, we've got more septal cartilage, there can be a large dorsal hump, and still have some of the characteristics that we've talked about. But really, this is where we start talking about a reductive type of rhinoplasty. And so we don't need, necessarily need to add more projection, we don't need to add more dorsal height, we need to really uh, make the nose appear smaller. Whereas with the first three, uh, we're essentially building up that nose. So uh, again, in that this particular uh, 45-year-old black female uh, put a, a dice cartilage fascial graft, narrowed the tip by removing some of the cartilage, adding, uh, you know, we used rib cartilage. And, um, you know, right now she has a very refined feminine appearing nose. We have some exciting news on the Beverly Hills MD front. As a thank you to our loyal podcast listeners, we've created a special text offer for 20% off site-wide on any of our skincare products at beverlyhillsmd.com. 
All you need to do is text the word podcast to 33961 to get your 20% discount site-wide. By signing up via text, you agree to receive recurring automated promotional and personalized marketing text messages from Beverly Hills MD at the cell number used when signing up. Consent is not a condition of any purchase. Reply help for help and stop to cancel. Message frequency varies. Message and data rates may apply. Visit attn.tv forward slash Beverly Hills MD forward slash terms.html for terms and attnl.tv forward slash p slash four pe for privacy. Just text podcast to 33961 for 20% off any of our skincare products at beverlyhillsmd.com. Plus, you'll get a special access to new products, exclusive sales, and more. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. Now, the one one big difference between just just a take home message between um, the ethnic rhinoplasty and and a European or Caucasian uh, nose is again what, what the common theme seems to be that you need to build the nose up and it's it's kind of people probably think it's counterintuitive but most of these noses the reason for it is because they're very flat um they they've they're very flat and they're very wide um and that's why so so you know it, it, don't don't take it the wrong way in the sense that we're not making your nose necessarily bigger but we're you know what dr lakey's talking about is it's adding more definition and structure to it um, because at the same time, the one thing you want to make sure is when you do these operations, you also don't do anything detrimental to the function of the nose. Um, so, you know, just, just something because some, some of the surgeons in the past, they would take this type of procedure and next thing you know, the, the nose would collapse or mm-hmm. there'd be problem breathing. Um, the structural support of the nose will be gone. So things have changed a lot over the last 10, 15 years. Definitely. The idea is, you know, we used to, especially with closed rhinoplasties, you would, it would usually be a reductive rhinoplasty and you would take structures away. You didn't see what you left behind. And so the nose slowly collapsed over time and it became a disaster, especially with breathing issues. Um, you know, the idea now, many of these obviously are open rhinoplasty because we're placing, you know, large, uh, you know, air pieces of cartilage or, or you know, dice cartilage fascial grafts, things like that. And you want it to be perfect. You want to set that in place. And so... And a lot of you know patients that have thicker nasal tip skin, we can't necessarily thin the skin. So what do we do? We create an optical illusion, and we add more projection to the nose, um, which you know creates new angles and definitely balances the face. So you know I think the other thing that we can see is the balance of a chin. So, and this is a previous podcast, we have the importance of the chin. The idea is we still want to create that facial balance. And many times if we're lacking, uh, you know, very common in Asian rhinoplasty, where we have to add some chin volume in order to lead to facial uh, balance. So, you know, again, I think these are some common techniques, that, you know, for a budding or, or novice plastic surgeon that didn't have a lot of this in residency. The idea would be, you know, t- uh, tread lightly because these can be very challenging. And a thick nose with no support 
can lead to the biggest disaster of your career because the nose will just collapse or it will become amorphous. And uh, the whole idea behind undergoing this rhinoplasty is to create more sharp angles. And, and the one thing that, that um, as somebody who doesn't do rhinoplasties, um, the one thing I will say for, for patients who are looking to have this done is you need to be very patient um, for your results because unlike just the, the regular rhinoplasty, the the skin is so much thicker for all types of ethnic rhinoplasty that even when you thin the skin and do everything else, it takes a little bit longer for you to really see that definition. And the definition may not be nearly as much as you think it's going to be because of the fact you have to understand that that what you're, what's draping over the cartilage is like very, it's a very thin, thick cloak in a sense, instead of like a very thin piece of, 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 of material, it's much thicker. So keep that in mind as well and just be patient for your results. Some of the things that uh, you know I'll do post-operatively. Obviously, I'm a, a big fan. You know, developed with uh, Oren Tepper the uh, 3D nasal splint, and so imagine it's like three custom splints based off of the Vectra 3D imaging almost like uh, adjustable trays for the teeth, but it's for the nose. It's clear, acrylic, and helps mold the nose and prevent it from swelling. The second thing that may, you know, will likely need to be done is the injection of either 5-fluorouracil or steroids, Kenalog, because we're, we're going to need to reduce some of the swelling, uh, reduce some of the scar tissue, and try to thin out the nose as best we can. Otherwise, you're never going to see some of that definition. Um, you know, for, for some with very thick skin, you expect the final result to take two to three years. Obviously, you want to like the shape coming out of surgery, but you know that uh, the nose will slowly change over weeks to months. And you're going to see, you know, uh, again, very thick skinned individual, there's going to be two or three year result. Mm -hmm. So um, I think for those of you who are considering rhinoplasty. So for the black nose, Asian, uh, the Middle Eastern, um, or the Hispanic nose, the idea is you want to go to someone who does a lot of rhinoplasties. These are, you know, the, the techniques are definitely different than the European type Caucasian nose. And you want to make sure that, uh, you know, so my recommendation would be this. Obviously, do your homework. Make sure that you've got a board-certified surgeon in either plastic surgery or uh, uh, facial plastic surgery. Um, you want to take a look at the results and make sure that their aesthetic matches yours. So I always tell patients the same thing. When they come to the office and we do a 3D simulation, I'm going to create something that I think will look good on their face. And if you don't like it, run, because that's what looks good to me. And each one of us has our own aesthetic. You know, some surgeons like a uh, pointier, narrower nose. Others, you know, they, it's a very minimal approach. Um, you know, I prefer a very natural but aesthetic approach. So we definitely want to see a difference. I just don't want someone to walk across the street and say, who did your nose? So, um, you know, the, each one of us. So look at the before and afters. And then when you're in the office, ask how many, uh, you know, how many of these the, the surgeon's done? Um, you know, and make sure that you ask specifically how many ethnic noses have you done? Because that makes a big difference. Again, the techniques can be completely different. When I do these 3D simulations, 
I can easily see how a novice surgeon may make the wrong choice and reduce something as opposed to building up in the area between the eyes. Um, and that can make a, that can lead to a drastic difference in the outcome. So you want to make sure that the, the, the surgeon is well-versed in ethnic rhinoplasty, that they're m- making the right decisions. And you'll know because something will be a little off uh, from a simulation uh, based off of some of these uh, measurements. So, um, you know, I always recommend even pe- people who come see me, I recommend they see multiple surgeons because you want to make sure that the aesthetic matches yours. You want to make sure that there isn't another option that you like better somewhere else. Um, and you also want to feel comfortable with your surgeon. Absolutely. Um, and I think that the simulation that Dr. Lakey does is, is really important because it's it's one of these, it's a simulation that's um it's very reasonable. It's it's not something that can't be attainable, and I think that's that's what's important. You know, a lot of surgeons may may look at you when you bring a, a picture into their office and be like, "Oh, not a problem. I'll do that closed." And then you have the operation, and you're very unhappy. And we see that a lot um, on a regular basis. You know, overpromised and underdelivered, and 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 you want to kind of do it the other way around. You mm-hmm. want to, you want to, you want to really kind of tell people, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my best to give you this type of nose. Um, but like Dr. Lakey just said, it may take multiple years for you to see that swelling come down. So, you know, be careful, look at before and afters, really kind of understand because with the ethnic nose, um, it is, slightly more complicated and you should go to somebody who's really familiar with the different intricacies of how to deal with the thicker skin, the wider bridge, the wider ailer bases, the the minimal definition to the tip, all of these things. Um, and you may not want a full Caucasian nose, which I don't think you should. I think you should just get a refined version of your own because you don't want to necessarily completely change your appearance either. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I hope you guys learned something today. Um, You know, please send in your questions. We'd be happy to answer them. Thank you for listening to us. Once again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. You can listen to us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Peace. From iHeartRadio, Forever Young is a Cavalry Audio Golden Hippo production. We are produced by Brandon Morgan. Josh Windish does our editing and mixing. Payment and I serve as executive producers along with Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.